whoever you are out there, wherever you are, I sure hope you had a better weekend than one Dan Mullen. Things got rough down in Jacksonville. Christian Gokel alongside Cam Mercury here on second down. Glad to have you all hanging out with us here on ESPN Radio. So much to dive into today. Got to wrap up the World Series action from over the weekends as the Braves and the Astros head back to Houston for Game 6 and potentially Game 7. Game 6 coming up tomorrow night after the Astros get that big win there at Truist Park. The first loss for the Braves at home this postseason. We'll dive into that, but Cam, I think we got to start in Jacksonville. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Georgia, that early domination. I was expecting a game. I, I said my prediction was 41-13. to 13, Yep. And I, I was expecting kind of what happened initially at first, which was Florida would come out in the first quarter and give Georgia their best shot, right? Mm-hmm. If there was a chance for Florida to hop out to the lead, it'd be in that first quarter and then maybe just try to hang on and make a mess of the game from that point on. Instead, what you got was Florida hanging around, Georgia kind of not getting out of its own way, and then just kind of the apathy Georgia, I guess, felt towards Florida. Like It wasn't rushed. It wasn't fervent. It wasn't dominant. It was just, we're better than you. We'll put our guys out there. Eventually, they'll make plays, even if this is a kind of a BC performance for us. Yeah. Eventually, we're going to maul you, and you're going to do something stupid, and we're going to score, and we're going to get out of here with a big win. And that's exactly what happened. It felt like Georgia ends up winning that game 34-27. to It felt like Georgia was 27 points better than Florida. Yeah, it did. Uh, what I'll take from that game is the defense is absolutely dominant. I don't think we could question that anymore. They dominated from the line of scrimmage from start to finish. I know they gave up that last touchdown. I mean, that happens. I mean, Florida – Almost beat freaking Alabama. So, well, yeah, Florida hasn't know, been shut out in a long in time. In a long time since, I think, in the 80s. Mm-hmm. They have the longest current streak. But, I mean, if there's anything to be alarmed about, uh, you tell me if I'm wrong. I don't think the offense really got going at all. They only ran 50 plays. I don't really think they got going at all. And maybe that's because, you know, they had a bye week and that may have cooled them off a little bit. But, I mean, the defense really stepped up and did their part. I just need the offense to kind of – You know, creep on up when you go against those better opponents like Ohio State who can score in Alabama. Well, you scored three offensive touchdowns in the game, Mm -hmm. and two of them were from 36 yards or shorter in terms of the entire drive, right? Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about him in a second, but Nolan Smith had a massive game, set you up in short-yarded situations twice there at the end of the second quarter where it was a 3-0 game, and then by the time you go in at halftime, it's 24-0. That all due to your defense. Three turnovers there at the end of the first half for Florida. Uh, the first one, a just it's the definition of a Debo, where Nolan Smith just took the ball away from Anthony Richardson. He said, that's mine. And he, mm-hmm. A lot of people thought it was a touchdown in the stadium, but his knee was clearly down. Very next play, James Cook scores from 11 yards out. Georgia's up 10 to nothing. Florida gets the ball back. Their first play, they throw an interception. Oh, I think, actually, I'll tell you about it. Second down. Their second play of that drive, they try to throw the ball over the middle. And this is another thing I want to talk about, too, is everyone keeps saying, oh, Georgia blitzed on that play and it got pressure on Florida. Kind of. Mm-hmm. Georgia sent four. We talked about this last week. Yeah, they can send Georgia, four. The reason this Georgia defense is so good is because they can send four and get home. Yep. And you drop Nolan Smith and Travon Walker back out. Travon Walker almost intercepts the pass from Anthony Richardson, tips it up. Nolan Smith gets the interception. Very next play, 
36 yards from Stetson Bennett to Kiaris Jackson. All of a sudden, it's 17 to nothing. You're pressing, and then they throw the out route that, I mean, N'Kobe Dean's different. He had a couple of plays in this game that were special. Hey, he might be a, special. a top 10 pick, man. He's special. working his way I, up I, there. I certainly think he deserves to be. What, Roquan was a number eight overall pick? Yeah. I, th- I, I certainly think he's deserving of that, but he just sits on that out route right there and picks it off, takes it to the house, 24 to nothing at halftime, right? So mm-hmm. that's that's where you're at. But to your point about the offense, I agree with you. That offense felt clunky. I think that was – we got – Last year's Alabama and Kentucky Stetson Bennett. Yeah. Just throwing into double. I didn't want to be the one to say it. Yeah, throwing into double coverage consistently. I mean, he had, I'd say, two really good passes. He had, and they're both to Kiaris Jackson, which you just see how much it means for Mm -hmm. Georgia to have him back at 100%. If he is at 100%, at least 90 to 95%. He scores on that long 36-yard touchdown Mm -hmm. the very next play after Nolan Smith's interception. But then he also had like a 15-yard route across the middle that Stetson was able to step in through uh, and complete that but outside of those two throws a very meh day for Stetson Bennett a couple are yeah two plays really boosted his yardage and he still only had around 160 yeah uh, 161 yards two of the plays really boosted that he had a tight end screen to Brock Bowers Mm -hmm. that went for a chunk and then he had just a wide open Darnell Washington that he hit on a drag route and he was able to get on the sideline for a big chunk outside of that Stetson Bennett was very below average, I would say, in Jacksonville. Uh, and, and that kind of alarms me, but at the same time, it's letting me know I think JT is on the way uh, is for he? these next couple games. I I would hope so. Um, I, I, I just, when I watched Ohio State this past Saturday, I mean, they can move. They got some guys on the, on, on the outside that could just burn you in. Keeping up with those type of teams, I mean, you have a yeah. good defense, but they're going to score. You got to have... See, a quarterback that can make that happen. I don't. I don't you know. You say that, and here's where I'm at after Saturday. The narrative has been: eventually, you're going to play a team mm-hmm. that's going to make you score. I'm not sure that that's the case anymore. You might I, be like, right like, this like, year. Like, this defense is that nasty. Is that good? Yeah. I think Jason Kirk made a really good comparison, and he said this Georgia defense is as good at what they do as the 2019 LSU offense was as good as what they did. That's a fair comparison. And okay. that unit was dominant enough, and not to take anything away from the LSU defense, but the LSU defense didn't really get good until like the last three or four games of the season. They had some games where they gave up a lot of points. They just created turnovers. Right, yeah. they, but they were an opportunistic defense, and I think all Georgia needs right now is an opportunistic offense. Just score mm-hmm. enough. If you can get to what, – what point total right now with Georgia do you feel comfortable like, yep, you're not losing? Because to me if it's like – If they play Alabama – 35. But see, to me, it's like 24. Ooh. Against Bama? Bama scored 32 points against Florida? Yeah. I, I would say 35 because I think Nick Saban, knowing he loses that game, he can't make the playoffs. He's throwing everything at you, the kitchen sink. I'll probably say 35. <sighs> I just I don't see anybody scoring that many points on this defense. That's true. We haven't seen it. I mean, what's I mean, the most see, points? But, like, but look, like maybe the best offense that you've played so far is, if you being honest, probably Auburn. Yeah, and they scored ten, and Auburn's looked really good. Yeah, that's not going to be an easy game for Bama. Auburn just handled Ole Miss. That's not going to be yeah, an Auburn, easy game for Auburn Bama. Auburn controls their own destiny in the SEC yeah. West, so that Iron Bowl is going to be massive. They got a big one coming up this weekend uh, at A&M. Texas A and M. So that's a, that's a big game because Texas A and M could fall out of the SEC West race. Auburn trying to stay in the driver's seat there because again they control their own destiny. It's going to come down to that Alabama game, but just looking at this offense, it wasn't a 
overwhelming performance. And like I said about Stetson, he had 161 yards, but 70 of those came on two completions to tight ends that were less than two yards downfield. Brock Bowers caught the ball right at the line of scrimmage and was able to scamper down the sideline. And then Darnell Washington caught a 32-yarder that he was able to pretty much do the same thing, just a drag route. Everybody else cleared out, able to hit him on the drag route. But, I mean, thinking in the first half, he threw into double coverage to Ladd McConkey, who was, again, the corner and safety had a better shot at the ball than Mm -hmm. McConkey. He had a play in the first half as well where he sort of scrambled out of pressure, was making his way to the sideline, kind of running parallel to the line of scrimmage, Mm -hmm. and – just last second threw the ball at a covered up guy on the on the sideline and that ball gets tipped he almost gets intercepted he ends up with two interceptions the one in the first half again you have all the momentum and you throw into clearly double coverage to John Fitzpatrick who no, no offense to John Fitzpatrick but he's your third option mm-hmm. as a receiver tight end right I think he was he was running one of those routes where if it's a blown coverage great but he's not really one of the options on that play and just threw into double coverage and got picked off. Same thing happened in the second half. I mean, this was a bad performance by Stetson Bennett. I think that's okay to say. Yeah, it's okay to say, but what one thing I'm happy about, and you tell me if I'm wrong, this year it just feels like when you go into games, you know, a couple of years ago we're going to games being like, dang, I don't know if Georgia wins this or you're nervous. Now you're kind of feeling like we get to assert our dominance pretty much against anybody knowing how good that defense is. I know Tennessee is kind of a game where you got to have your head on tight yeah. going on the road. But after that, it's, I mean, dare I say it, smooth selling for the rest of the year to the SEC championship. Well, I mean, could, what's funny you know, is like you're, you're saying Tennessee there, and they're a four-loss team right now. Yeah, but that offense, I mean, it's it's just, you know, they're a four-loss team. But I've seen crazier things happen over well, the year. certainly, and it's going to be in Knoxville. That one actually yeah. announced. So just a couple updates for Georgia's schedule. This week they have Missouri, which – yeah, Missouri's should, bad. Yeah, you should handle Missouri. Missouri's bad. They were in a shootout with Vanderbilt at Vanderbilt, so Missouri's <laughs> bad. Yeah. And then after that, uh, and that's a noon kick in Athens. And then after that, you had to Knoxville, which, to your mm-hmm. point, maybe your biggest game left yeah. in the regular season or toughest opponent left in the regular season. But this 4-4 four and four Tennessee, they might be under five hundred by the time. They play somebody I, decent. I was about to say, they play somebody big this weekend. Alabama. Uh, no, they already played Alabama. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, they did. They, they play somebody big this weekend. I think it might be Kentucky. I think they're at Kentucky uh, this weekend. Yep, but at Kentucky. Yep. Yeah, so they're, they're very real possibility they're under 500 team, uh, but an exciting offense. You play them next yeah, next weekend, and that's a 330 kick mm-hmm. from Knoxville on CBS. So uh, a big game there. And then I think it's Charleston Southern and Georgia Tech. I think you're going to see a lot of JT these next four weeks. Him I don't know. I, I, from reading the mm-hmm. tea leaves and talking to some people, it sounds like JT's still hurt. And I don't know if that's the reason he doesn't play and just kind of hindsight being what it is. You look back and say, if he's still not 100% and you're coming into a game against Florida, a team that can get after the quarterback a little bit. We saw in the first half, especially Georgia's offensive line did not play great and Stetson had to kind of improvise a little bit. Mm -hmm. Do you want to put JT in a war or do you want to let him come back against a Missouri? Oh, no, no, no. You let them come back against Missouri. I think the perfect game. But that's, saying, but that's assuming they think JT's better, which yeah, I don't know if that's the case. I'll put it like this. If he's healthy, I say bring him back into Missouri, let him play a couple of series, and then you figure out about Tennessee, and then I think you just do the one-two combo against Charleston, Charleston Southern and uh, Georgia Tech and see where you, you go You from have there. to make that choice soon because you can't get through yeah. – Georgia Tech can be like, all right, now it's JT's turn against Alabama. It's just, yeah, it's not going to work we out. We got to find that, out who the starting quarterback is soon. 
but going back to my original point, I I don't know if it matters. You might have a point. Georgia, man. Georgia's defense is that good. I know Brooks tried to tell us this a couple weeks ago because I'm kind of with you. I just have that mindset where it's like eventually somebody's going to score 30 and you're going to have to go back and forth with them. And eventually this is the underrated thing. And I, I want to go back and when I get some time, I want to go back and look and see what the average starting field position is for Georgia's offense because I feel like at least oh, two or three yeah. times a game they're getting put in plus territory. Oh, yeah. And that's really kind of boosting – the stats for this offense, because again, you scored three touchdowns. One of the drives was 11 yards. The other one was 36 yards. And, and the, the only touchdown you really scored on a significant drive was Zamir White busting a 40-yard touchdown run at the mm-hmm. end after Florida had pretty much given up. Given up, yeah. Um, I guess what I could say is if they could go undefeated, which I, I assume they will, now you're making it to the point where you beat Bama, you get them out the way in the SEC yeah. championship. But if you lose, you just play them again. So essentially – you play them twice or you get them out the way. I think you get them out the way now, I don't think there's a team in the country, including yeah. Ohio State, that could stand with Georgia. That's true. Just looking around the country, Oklahoma's been very meh. I mean, they, they looked good this past weekend. But the week before that, they had to survive at Kansas. Yeah. Ohio State, they to me, Ohio State might be, outside of Alabama, the best team in the country. Cincinnati is not doing themselves any favors. No. Consistently struggling. <laughs> Uh, against some of the teams they're playing. I mean, they were going back and forth with the Navy a couple weeks ago. So just looking down, I just – unlisten, I like Michigan State. I know your boy <laughs> plays for Michigan State. Oh, yeah, yeah, I already I, know. I, I told them that. I don't know that we learned anything about Michigan State this weekend. Other than Kenneth Walker's probably literally, the highest. <laughs> literally one ball bounces the other way, and Michigan yeah. wins. Yeah, and Michigan wins. Yeah. Right, so I, I don't know that we learned anything about either one of those teams, but I don't think either one of them are top four teams in the country. Nah, I mean, I, I've told well, him your that. Boys, like, nah. Kenneth Walker's good. Here's a scary thought. Do you know where Kenneth Walker was last year? Uh, Wake Forest. Yeah. And Wake Forest is undefeated. Undefeated, yeah. And scoring Again. a stupid amount of points every game. That quarterback they have is pretty Sam Hartman's legit. really Hartman, good. Yeah. Can you imagine? And he's played, this is his fourth season now, at least playing in one game hmm. for Wake Forest. So he's got a lot of experience. Can you imagine if Kenneth Walker was still a Demon Deacon? Yeah, I mean, but offense be lit as hell. I mean, can you imagine if Wake Forest wins out? They got four more games. Uh, no, huh? I can't imagine that. Uh, hey, Read I, their schedule to me. Uh, okay, yeah, they could lose this one at North Carolina. Right, that's a tough one. And NC then, State. Yep. Uh, at Clemson. Okay. At Boston College. Those so are probably the they're cream of the crop right games. there. They're yeah, the four, four hardest, hardest games, games are still on the schedule. They'll lose one of those. Probably I think they'll at probably Clemson. lose four of them. All four of them. The one I might give them is Boston College. Yeah, because Boston College is injured. Yeah. Yeah. So okay, they might. So I mean. Going from a darling to nine and three. It's still a nice season That's for Wake Forest, nice though. Season. Yeah, Wake Forest. You didn't, but you didn't imagine they had Kenneth Walker. Yeah, they probably will win, <laughs> will win the a, ACC. Just a, Kenneth Walker's got the Midas touch. He oh, puts man, his, he's winning the Heisman. He puts his he puts his hands on he puts his hands on the Wake Forest program. All of a sudden, they're undefeated, and he's like, "All right, I have to move on." Yeah, and then he goes to Michigan State, and they're undefeated. Yeah, Thanos. All the Infinity Stones. I'm not done with Dan Mullen yet. Let's take a quick break. I want to come back. And I want to dive more into this Florida-Georgia game because Dan Mullen, I guess it should be Georgia-Florida uh, after this weekend, Dan Mullen just can't get out of his own way, and he, he did it again today in a press conference. So we'll dive into that when we come back right here on second down. A lot of stats we can look at coming from this Georgia-Florida game. Uh, just absolute domination from this Georgia defense. But this one I think stands out the most. Can you tell me Georgia's record since last year's Florida game? Twelve and zero. Thirteen and zero. Thirteen and zero. Georgia. Georgia has not lost since Florida. Since Florida last year, right? Yep. 
Can you tell me Florida's record since that same game? Their overall record? Yep. Uh, they're like four and. That's a little bit better than that. Ooh. They're eight and seven. Eight, eight and seven. Uh, I they, mean, that's got, still bad got a, for Florida. They got a couple of they got a couple of games that in there where they played in the SEC championship. Obviously, losing that one, and then they got an extra game last year over Georgia because Georgia had that Vanderbilt game get canceled. So that's where the disparity comes in. But one team's thirteen and zero, one team's eight and seven since Jacksonville twenty twenty. And it just it kind of tells you the directions those programs are going right now, right? And I just Dan Mullen, we talked about this last week, doesn't do himself any favors by the way he approaches press conferences. And we're gonna in a second get to a quote from his press conference today. But just the way he approaches that, the way he deals with his team, he kind of said last year they got beat by Oklahoma uh, in the Cotton Bowl. He was like, "Well, we played our last game last week, or like in our last game back in December." As a coach, you should never say that. No. So it's just I, I'm curious what you think. I, I just obviously two teams that are heading in drastically different directions. Curious what you think about that. Um, as you just just swallow down some Halloween candy. My bad. Starburst. Delicious. What flavor Delicious. you got there? Lemon. Okay, that's a good one. Lemon. But I mean, my thing is, if I'm a player, I'm in that locker room. They met the last year, like you said. Well, we played our last week last. So, what's that supposed to mean about me? Yeah, as that's, a the, that's the guy who's coming back to play to for play. you next year, and you're so like, yeah, as, well, this team. And then when you team. see that as a recruit, say you know your first yeah. or second year, you're coming in there developing. How are you supposed to feel that way? And then now you come into here, in this season, and you haven't looked on track. You haven't looked up the par to your opponents. You're losing to LSU, who's having a down year. You lost to Kentucky, who you normally dominate the past twenty years. Alabama will give you that. Georgia spanks you. Yeah. Well, it's, it's embarrassing. It's funny that you say that about recruiting and because Kirby Smart made a statement after the game about recruiting and why Georgia's been so successful. But Dan Mullen in his press conference this morning was asked about recruiting. We have some audio from that clip right here. Uh, is there a different approach needed for the, the- After the season, when it gets this recruiting time, we can talk about recruiting. Sounds good. Okay. Uh, good Next question. We're in the season right now. We'll do recruiting after the season. <laughs> now, some people have come out and said, trying, I guess, to defend Dan Mullen. They're saying, like, he said, we're not going to talk about recruiting during the season. I just, I think it's the optics there, Cam, because Kirby Smart said after the game, basically, there's no substitute for recruiting. You can do all the coaching in the world, but if you are out-recruited at the level it seems like Georgia's out-recruited Florida right now, it doesn't matter how well you can coach at this level, right? Because everybody's yeah. a good coach at this level. Yeah. It doesn't matter how well you can coach or the schemes you can draw up. If my guys are just better than yours, and I think that's the simplest way to put this Georgia team out there is, and to me it reminds me of the 2016 Clemson defensive line, mm-hmm. where it's just you're going to win 95% of the games you play just because of those four dudes you had on that defensive line. If I could just recruit better than you and we're at the same level, I'm going to win a majority of the matchups. It doesn't matter how well you can coach against me. Dan Mullen's getting it confused. This is not the pros where you draft and you keep your same players for the next five, six years if you choose to do so. Recruiting is 24-7, man. It's year-round. It's 365. And being a coach – 
at Florida, you have to be able to recruit, especially against, you know, rival schools and such. I, I mean, I, I hope he doesn't really mean what he just said. With look at recruiting at the end of the year, but that just goes to show you, like, the state that they're in right now and the state that Georgia's in is complete opposite. And, again, it just to me it comes down to what you're doing in recruiting. Look at who you have. You have N'Kobe Dean. Five-star. Trevon Walker, five-star. Jalen Carter, five-star. Keely Ringo, five-star. Nolan Smith, number one overall player in his class. What did he do? He had a, he had a rip for setting you up at the 11-yard line with that fumble recovery, and then he had his first career interception in this game as well, setting you up at the 36-yard line. Yep. Five-star. Right? They come off the field. Five-star replaces them. Yep. Right? I, I think the funny thing is maybe the best player on the entire team is Jordan Davis, and he's a three-star. But still, that's still recruiting. These teams are still going after Jordan Davis just because the recruiting services didn't have him ranked as high. And I think a lot of that had to do with how big he was in high school and just concerns about his weight. And that's been an ongoing thing at Georgia. But it's just, listen, you can come up with all the tactics you want to. There's a play in this game where Nolan Smith, or not Nolan Smith, N'Kobe Dean was responsible for a running back coming out of the backfield. Mm was late on yeah. getting to him and still ran to the spot faster than the running back and broke up the play. It, it, it's what a lot of these scouts been saying. If you read what scouts are saying, because I know you have, but for the viewers out there, they literally are saying Georgia has their whole defense could get drafted. And when I mean whole defense, not first through seven, I'm talking about a lot of them getting drafted in the first, second, and third round, early draft picks, yeah. the whole entire defense. This is a generational type defense. And I mean, it's like what you say, it's a test of recruiting. You come in, you take out starring cornerback, you put in another five star. Yeah. Um it's they're five stars everywhere. Our third string quarterback is a no four string. It's a freaking five star. Yeah, the one starting is the only one that wasn't. I think Stetson was like a three star. Yep. Coming out of Pierce County. Outside of that, uh Carson Beck, four star. JT Daniels is a five star. Brock Vandergrift, five star. Yeah, you got another five star coming in, Gunnar Stockton. It's crazy. If you look across the offensive line, four and five stars all the way across the offensive line. So it's just people always laugh at the stars, but no, I mean, look, it's look, look at true. the results. I mean, look at what Alabama's yeah. been able to do. Look at what Clemson's been able to do. I do want to play Kirby Smart's uh, full quote here on recruiting because I, I think this is probably the biggest storyline and shows you what the gap is between Georgia and Florida right now. Guys, if you don't recruit, there's no coach out there that can out-coach recruiting, okay? I, I don't care who you are. The best coach to ever play the game better be a good recruiter because no coaching is going to out-coach players. I mean, anybody will tell you our defense is good because they got good players. So spending time on the phone, you know, spending time with people at your house, spending time with people when they come to your campus. You know, I, I'm not with my family when I'm doing that. My family sacrifices so that I can go and spend time with other people's families so that we have good players. So, you know, that's 25% evaluation. That's 50% recruiting. And another 25% is going to be coaching. But if you don't recruit, guys, you got no chance. Just go look. Look at the best teams out there. They got good football players. And that's the reason I believe in recruiting. And I believe you better always be recruiting. Always be recruiting because – if you're not, somebody else is. I mean, how stark is the difference between those two responses? I mean, it's, it's completely different. Um, and you tell me if I'm wrong. Does this run – well, I wouldn't say run yet, but yeah, I'm starting to get kind of like the, the vibes of what Clemson had a couple of years ago from that 15 to like 18 run where Kirby, it might be Kirby's time to hit that stride. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I'm starting to feel that I way. haven't seen anybody that's better yeah, this season. I have I, I mean – Alabama, it feels like, and 
if you want to talk about a team where he got that model from, it's working under Nick Saban, where mm-hmm. it's just constantly recruiting, always, always recruiting. And you can talk about the transfer portal all you want to. I think the only significant guy playing snaps right now from Georgia out of the transfer portal is Darion Kendrick. Kendrick. Yep. He's the only one. He's been unbelievable, and he mm-hmm. filled he filled a gap. But I think for the best teams in the country, for the cream of the crop teams in the country, it's still going to come back to recruiting. As big as you think the transfer portal is, because Nick Saban said this, the best players aren't going to leave the school they initially go to, right? Mm-mm. Like, why would they leave if they're starting? The best players aren't going to leave. Typically, what you're going to get are guys in a Darion Kendrick situation where he had a disagreement with Dabo Sweeney, eventually the the relationship just wasn't there anymore, so he decided to leave. Or you're going to get a guy who got beat out. Yeah. And so you're going to go head-to-head with the player that got beat out against the player who beat him out, right? So it's just the transfer portal is going to be there, but I think for the best teams, it's going to be, hey, I need to, I need to fill a role, right? Because for the most part, through recruiting, I, I already have the best players. I just need to fill that role, i.e. Alabama. They've had some middle linebackers get hurt. Let's yep. go get Henry Toto Totally-o. from Tennessee, right? It's just that's that's where I think it's going to be. You're not going to be – now, some teams like uh, Michigan State with Mel Tucker, they mm-hmm. looked at their roster, said it wasn't good enough, and yep. I, I, need, I have to go out there and fill it up. They went with, and got some guys. Yeah, yeah, with some guys from the transfer portal, i.e. Kenneth Walker, who, as you mentioned, may be the favorite right now to win the Heisman after his performance. He's got some big games coming up. But recruiting – that's where it's at. And so anyone who tells you, I don't know, with the transfer portal, you'll probably see uh, a little bit of decline in the amount of intensity they put in that. Look at Florida. Good, Florida has a ton of transfers on that team. If you want some good recruits, come to the South. I yeah, mean, yeah, but, Florida has a Georgia uh, yeah, Brent transfer, Cox, Brent yeah, Cox. Brent yeah. Cox is, is the guy, uh, big number one, and he's a really good player, yeah. but he's the guy who transferred. And then you have guys like uh, Jermaine Johnson who literally just because he wasn't able to play enough on this Georgia defense, and he played. It's not like he wasn't mm-hmm. playing. But because and he said this, he said, quote, I wasn't getting enough film, he transfers to Florida State. And he's mm-hmm. having a great season. Yep. But why did he transfer? He because wasn't he wasn't going to play every snap over Adam Anderson and Nolan Smith. It, it, it works that way, and it's work one this for him because he's going to get drafted now. He has yeah. that film, but, but that's just how the game goes. for every guy who works out like that, yeah. there's 10, yeah, there's 10 who that, it doesn't, yeah, work, who out. doesn't work out. And yeah. so when you have one coach – saying, I'm taking time away from my family mm-hmm. to go out and recruit, to spend time with other people's families to make sure we have good players. I think he gets it. No, he when, gets when it. When you're trying to win at the highest level, you know what you need? The best players. Because the best players make any scheme look good. We saw it last year with Dan Mullen. Instinct, man. We saw it last year with Dan Mullen. Yep. Kyle Pitts, Kyle Trask, Kadarius Tony. How different did this offense look All last year? All first round. Well, Kyle Trask, second round pick. He's, but he's yeah, basically a first round pick. Yeah, he's he's the, was he, was he the... What? I think it was the first pick of the first round. Oh no, the last pick, last of, the pick of the second round. But I mean, but I mean any other draft, yeah, you know. he'll be the number one quarterback off the board this year for sure. Maybe, yeah. Maybe which is the way yeah. some of these guys have just kind of underwhelmed. Yeah, but it's just, I just think that just shows you the biggest difference right now between these two football teams. And at the beginning of the year, a lot of people were ready to jump on the train that hey, Florida's gone past Georgia mm-hmm. in the SEC East. Florida's made that jump. Dan Mullen has finally gotten Kirby Smart back down to earth. Because of recruiting, though. It's all because of recruiting. Well, this is what I consistently talk about, which is the best teams and the best programs, and this is across any sport, but specifically in college football. The best teams, and it's hard in college football because you're constantly having roster turnover, Mm -hmm. is the best teams keep the window open. That doesn't inherently mean they're going to win every single year, but they have a chance every year to win. Win. Right? Georgia, under Kirby Smart, 
after that first season where he was just you could tell he was trying to set up and get his guys in there has had that window open. Yep, he's giving you that chance. Last year, Florida under Dan Mullen had the window wide open yeah. and it just came crashing down on their fingers. Georgia yeah. consistently has that window open where Jake Fromm goes 11 and 1 three straight years during the SEC championship each year. He moves on. You kind of have a, you have a, that weird year last year in 2020 and I, I won't even take away from Florida. Florida last year, I don't even know if Georgia has Jake Fromm if Georgia's beating Florida last year. Just as good as that offense was. That offense was different. Yeah, I don't think that'd be that, that, I mean, that offense yeah. took Alabama to the brink, yeah. and that was one of the best offenses we've ever seen in Alabama. So it's just, if you want the best program, I think this is what a lot of athletic directors look at, which I think might be why Dan Mullen, you start uh, to see he's in trouble. I think the next step is you fire Todd Grantham, yeah. and then after that it's just the death spiral, is Dan Mullen doesn't have that window open. And so if you're looking at your athletic director outside of, the one SEC championship appearance, what are you looking at? Yeah, Mullen, he, it depends on how he finishes this season off. I'll put it like that, um, whether he keeps his job or not. If you go like six and six, yeah, I don't think you're keeping it. But, I mean, his schedule looks favorable. You're, they you're should four, finish eight and four. You're four and four. You go eight and four, and yeah. you play in a Florida bowl game, like Capital One Bowl, something yeah. like that, Outback Bowl, and you go nine and four. That'd keep you a job. Do you know what nine and four is, Cam? What? Basically what you went last year. That is, yeah, yeah, that is what you went last year. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, that's that's just kind of where Florida's at right now. I think a lot of it has to do with the way these two coaches look at recruiting. We got more to come. We'll dive into more of the weekend that was across college football. Auburn got a massive win. They're in the driver's seat now. They just have to take down Alabama. And I think there's a stat from that <laughs> game that where if you're an Auburn fan, probably makes you feel a little bit better about your chances of doing that. Also, a wild weekend in the Big Ten. We'll dive into all that when we come back right here. ESPN Radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source, as Cam brings us back with a little Lauren Hill action. Yeah, yeah. Respect. Love Lauren Hill. I'm feeling it. You have to, like, yeah. We got the cool weather outside, playing the bops. I'm in a good mood today. Yeah, I'm in a good mood. I'm got in the, a real got good the Braves mood. hat on, still repping, not overly concerned. Uh, uh, I wouldn't go with the uh, not overly concerned, but definitely got to rep the hometown. Definitely got to do you that. You got two games to win one. You got Max Man. Fried and Ian Anderson. And I'm from Atlanta. You got the backstops. <laughs> you got the backstops. I'm just saying. It ain't, I, no, I'm with you. It ain't over until yeah. it's over. Oh, nah. It ain't it over until it's, it's over. It's not over until nah. it's over. Now you're headed back to Houston. Now you got to play with the DH again. Yeah. It, being from Atlanta, it's... It's so bad that we are you, a sports talk show and we don't even talk about the Falcons because they're just so. so I mean, do you huh. want to talk about what happened yesterday? I mean, we can. We get. Because, like, that's like. I'm, too, I think man. for, like, the mental health of our listeners, we should probably avoid that conversation. We should. Man, I'm so like, think about Think about the, the two days you had where you had the Braves and, the, and Georgia win on Saturday. Beautiful. Then you come to Sunday. And just go Falcons downhill. stink up the joint. Against a bad Carolina team. I think that's fair to say. I know it's Carolina hadn't Carolina lost four games in a row coming into that game. Exactly. I mean, yeah. I know Carolina has a they have, have a good what? defense. They have a good defense. They're Kinda. number one against the run, number like ten against the pass. They have a good defense, but it's it's embarrassing to just watch Matt Ryan get beat up for year after year. And then what I see yesterday happened game one. Yeah. It's it's just embarrassing. I know we don't have Gage and Ridley on the outside, but it's just embarrassing to watch. Patterson's been hot this year. You don't even play him because you want Mike Davis to get his revenge back against Carolina. It was just all over the place yesterday. The Falcons aren't good, and they probably won't be good for a couple of years. you got to give 
listen, you gotta give Arthur Smith a chance. No, no, I yeah. love Arthur Smith. I, I think what he's done so far, three and four, you're yeah, a game away that, from being four and three. That that roster is not good. And so I think the job he's done is pretty admirable. I think Dean Pease, all of a sudden, you're seeing this defense isn't playing terribly. They only gave up 19 points. Yeah, like this defense isn't playing terribly. So yeah. it's, you know, it's starting to turn out a little bit. Listen, Cam, you still got 10 games. You still <laughs> if, got 10 games in the regular if, season. If those 10 games are Dallas coming up soon, you, you got a lot of meat of that schedule coming up. I, man, I'm just, I mean, I know we play the Saints, their yeah. third string quarterback, and that might be an L. We don't have an offensive line. They struggle. They're just they're struggling. Well, just, yeah, Jameis got hurt, but that just probably means Taysom Hill will start, and Taysom Hill yeah. just absolutely obliterates Own, the Falcons. He owns us. Yeah, yeah so, he that, owns so us. there you go. Uh, I still want to stay with college football here, though, Cam. What did you feel like was the most impressive win from the weekend? You want me to be honest? Yes. Auburn and uh, Auburn over That's Ole Miss. That's kind of where I'm going. Yeah, that was impressive. Bo, Bo, Bo gets big wins, man. He, he really does. He just hasn't had one against Georgia, thank God. But other than that, he's beaten everybody. And I know – Matt Corral had the Heisman hopes. He's probably still up there coming into this game, but no touchdowns and interception. Maybe that derails him from that a little bit. He got he gets hurt in this game. Yeah. But he comes back in and he's just he's throwing interceptions left and right. I mean, Ole Miss is done. Yeah, oh yeah, Ole Miss is done. Uh I mean, still six and two, that's nice, but Ole Miss is done now. Interesting part is like we talked about earlier on in the show, Auburn. Alabama. That's going to be a good game. How interesting is it? Like that's that's my question to you. How interesting is this game, or is Auburn? Because they already have two losses. Yeah, one to Georgia, one to Penn State. Mm-hmm. If they run the table and beat Alabama, this could be very 2017. They'd be a top fourteen. If they run the table, beat Alabama, get to the SEC championship, and it's really hard to beat a team twice in the same year. Somehow beat Georgia. In the SEC championship, are you putting two loss? Absolutely. Auburn in the college football playoff? Absolutely, because I guarantee I think the Rankings come out tomorrow, the college football playoffs. I guarantee you they're somewhere in the 11-12 range. They beat Texas A&M, who's going to be ranked higher than them. They'll jump to like seven or eight, beat Bama. You're in that number four spot. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, same, re- same way we saw a couple of years ago. They win that game in the SEC championship. They make the college football playoffs. So they have a chance. Do I think they'll beat Georgia if they somehow beat Bama? Absolutely not. But they definitely have a chance against Bama on the road. Iron Bowl, we've seen crazy things happen. And well, Bo Mick, I, Bo I do love good. it because the narrative kind of got killed. Because what we were talking about like a week ago, we were like, man, Kentucky's sitting there with one loss. Yeah. Oh, Miss is sitting there with one loss. Arkansas. And the season just kind of takes care of itself. Yeah, it, it's ta- it takes care of itself. Uh, what is wrong with Kentucky and playing at Mississippi State? They can't beat Mississippi State. I don't know, and something told me in the picks, pick Mississippi State, because like I said, Will Rogers one point actually, favorite. Vegas yeah, knows. he looks good. Will Rogers looks good this Yeah, he year. set the SEC record for completion percentage. Yeah, I actually, good. I actually believe he broke Grayson Lambert's re- record for mm-hmm. completion percentage that he set against South Carolina. I'll have to go back and double-check that, but I know he did ch- set the record for a completion percentage in an SEC game. I mean, nuts. Yeah, I mean, he looks good. They, they've been somewhat impressive this year, Mississippi State. I give them their kudos. But, I mean, Kentucky's kind of taking the nosedive. I think they might lose. They, they could no, they possibly a, they lose to Tennessee. They have a tough remainder of their schedule. They want to give a shout-out, though, in that Auburn game. Jalen Simpson, uh, former Frederica Academy Knight, gets okay. a big interception of Matt Corral there in the end zone uh, to prevent them from scoring. So shout-out to Jalen Simpson on that one. But just looking around, Cam, I thought there was a bunch of huge games this weekend. 
Oklahoma rolled uh, in their game, 52-21 to over Texas Tech. Caleb Williams has come in all of a sudden as a freshman that didn't start until the midway point. You're starting to get some Heisman rumblings about (sighs) him. Obviously, you mentioned the Kentucky loss uh, at Mississippi State. Mississippi State looked really good in that one. Did you see the end of the SMU-Houston game? No. All right. We talked about this game. SMU came in undefeated. Houston had one loss. After tying the game... 37 to 37 with just double checking. Yeah. 17 seconds to go in the game. Mm-hmm. They kicked the ball to a man named Marcus Jones. Cam, have you ever heard of Marcus Jones? Well, I'm about to hear about him now. You absolutely are. Marcus Jones to returned that kickoff 100 yards to the house to give Houston the 44 to 37 lead, which they would hold on to give SMU their first loss of the season. I would love to Marcus see that Jones call. is one kickoff return touchdown short of tying the NCAA record for career return touchdowns. And who has the record? Hester? There's a few guys. I think there's a few guys tied at the top. Uh, Marcus Jones, remember the name. Houston. Now 7-1 on the season. Dana Holgerson's got something going on it's down there. Bad coaching, though. If you know the kid can return kicks I like mean, yes. that, why would you kick it to him in the first place? Yeah, that kicker's definitely getting a talking to on the sideline. Yeah. Also, I just want to leave you with this bad taste in your mouth before we go to break. You know who got a big win this weekend and is just kind of hanging out and nobody's paying attention to him? Oh, Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Yeah, I figured you they were going to say that. They are 7-1 on the <laughs> uh, season. Yeah. They beat you see North how I smacked Car- my teeth? They beat North Carolina 44-34. to I thought North Carolina was going to win that game. Yeah. North Carolina's just bad. I, I thought you they were going to win. cannot trust North Carolina to do anything. Uh, I mean, Jack Cohn threw for 213 yards and they lost. Or they won, excuse me. They beat North Carolina. I don't get it. Well, I mean, Kyron Williams ran for 199 yards in that game. He's really good. North Carolina's just bad. Sam Howell's just counting the days until he can go pro. Oh, yeah, he's going to be a good pro, man. I agree with that. But I just, think he'll be a good pro. Just keep that in the back of your mind. Notre Dame's hanging out, one loss. Probably going to win out. Please don't let that Probably going to win out. He's sitting there at 11-1, and so the playoff committee is going to be like, guys, listen, I know you want to put Cincinnati in, but it's, it's a one-loss Notre Dame. There's no way they get in over even a one-loss Cincinnati. There's absolutely no way. It's going to be fascinating. That's why I think a lot of teams around the country are actually actively pulling for Georgia because yeah. they're not going to, Georgia's not going to lose in their next four games. No. Like, I'm comfortable saying that. Nah. Like, I respect Tennessee. Georgia's not going to lose in their next four games. Georgia's already clinched up their spot in the SEC championship. So those other teams are saying, listen, Georgia, go ahead and beat whoever you play in the SEC championship so you, there's not two teams. From the SEC that get in. First time in my lifetime that Georgia, well, I don't want to jinx it, but first time in my lifetime if they do so, go undefeated. A regular season? Yeah. Yeah. First time. Because our own Ben Troop ruined the other best chance of that. Thanks a lot, Ben. Right? Thanks a lot. Right? We'll talk to Ben. He's Look, he's hurting. Let him, ha- let him have it. <laughs> Not happy oh, yeah. after that performance from his Gators this weekend. we got to take a quick break. We'll come back with more right here on Second to You by the Uniform Source. Braves fall in Game 5 of the World Series. Now headed back to Houston for at least one more game. Hopefully one more game. How are you feeling, Cam? I mean, any other way. How, okay, let me ask you this. How are you feeling feels. after the Grand Slam last night? Oh, man, I was like, okay, the Grand Slam. I said, oh, they coming out swinging. They might try to get this out early. And then yeah. Astros kind of slowed things down and said, oh, y'all forgot who we are. So, I just I, I kind of had the B.J. Bennett moment last night where it's like after that, I was like, number one, it was too early. Yeah, it I was, was like, early. you went up 4 nothing like that. Still had eight innings for them. And also they kept showing the stats like Carlos Correa didn't have a hit. Jose Altuve had been struggling in this series, right? Alex Bregman. Literally, 
the funniest moment of the night, and it's just it's how the universe works, is you have Alex Bregman coming up, and he had fallen down to seventh in the order after being up as high as three. And so the Braves have the in-stadium organ player that kind of plays the different songs to make mm-hmm. fun of or just kind of poke fun of the players when he comes up. You know what he played when Bregman walked up? Free Fallen by Tom <laughs> Petty. Free Fallen down the lineup. I think he was hitting like 071 in the postseason. As soon as you play that, ropes a double all the way out Can't to the wall, scores two runs. Like you know, it's just like it's uh it's just the way the universe works. As soon as you mention it. Yeah, can't get professional start like that. It's gonna go. It's gonna Don't go the other the way. I'm not even sure Alex Bregman noticed because you have so many people screaming. Uh, but that'll do it for Truist Park for the 2021 season. Last two games will be out in Minute Maid at the I think they call it the Juice Box out there. So you'll be at the Juice Box for at least the next game, maybe two if this one goes to seven. You'll be able to listen to Game Six tomorrow night right here on ESPN Radio. Three and out coming up next with BJ Bennett, Ben Troop, and Kevin Thomas.